Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If I'm really sorrowful before the Lord, it'll lead to a change of behavior. If my behavior hasn't changed, but I just, I'm still saying sorry for the same stuff over and over again, I gotta check that out. That means I haven't really repented. And everybody here should check that out in your walk with the Lord. If you find that, man, I'm, I'm having the same reoccurring stuff happen in my life. And I eventually will get confronted with it. I know it's wrong. I say I'm sorry. And then boom, I do it again. And I realize I'm wrong. I say I'm sorry. And then boom, I do it again. You need to run that tape back and say, God, show me what it means to repent. If you go to court for something you did and then beg the judge for forgiveness, he might hear you. But if you show up back in court again for the same reason over and over again, do you think the judge will trust you again for the same thing? In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you that true sorrow produces repentance. You can say you're sorry all that you want, but if there's no change, then something's wrong. You need to check your heart. If you're really sorry, there's going to be change. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 26. As he continues his message, same temptation, different day. Chuck in his final little season of life, I got to see, I was at my old church and he was, they were doing some tour, you know, trying to bring back some of the old stuff they used to do. And he was going to come speak. He's an old guy at this point, you know, in his life. And um, he fell down and broke his nose that day. And so, you know, easily it would have been a call out. I'm not going to make it. But he was there. He made it anyway. And he was there with, a, you know, his nose was all red. He didn't want to wear a bandage, you know, and he was there and he's smiling and being kind and gracious and he said, no, nah, I'm going to speak. I'll be all right. I'll get it fixed tomorrow. And I thought, man, God, if I ever come up with an excuse, this old, this dude is, this old dude is like, bro, look, I'm going to go here. I said I was going to preach on Wednesday night at that church over there in Downey. And he came and preached. And I watched him at the end of his life with a, with a breathing tube in his nose, going up to the pulpit and preaching. And it would inspire me. Like, he has so many reasons that he'd just be laid up somewhere. I'm done. But he's like, nah, there's still people. I got enough breath to preach. And so he still, he went out. I mean, I look at that like a guy in a fight that's like, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm not going to lay down and lose. The last things he did were still preaching the word. And I think, man, that's to me, when I look at that, when I think of what a man is, I'm like, that's a, that's a man. No excuses. And all the weakness and all the, all the reasons he could have gave. Man, got the, the guy's calling out because they got the sniffles. Man, come on. Uh, this brother, brother had a, a, breathing, a breathing apparatus and still was throwing down some, some word, you know. So I just want us to consider, right, these lies, they are coming to a close. They will come to a close. And we want to get there and look back and think, I gave it, I gave it everything. Because one day all you'll be able to do is look back. This is going to be over with. We will never get another day back, another month, year, season. So the season we have right now, it's like, God, am I being as fruitful as I can be right now? Am I going, am I all in with you? Am I, am I, do you have everything that you want out of me right now? Um, because this season will end. And if, you, if God is having his way, you can look back at this season in a year and be like, that, was a, that year was, man, that was a bomb year. God, this, God did this, that, and the other, and you'll be in another year doing it again and keep going. And uh, that's what we want to do. Amen. We want to press forward. We want to keep going strong in the Lord. And so, unfortunately for Saul, this was a, Saul was a man that let the flesh get the best of him, who wouldn't submit to God, who when he should repent made excuses. 
And so things never got back on track for King Saul. They never did. Not because God wouldn't have forgave him. The fact that God has let him live this long is that was his opportunity to get it right. The fact that you're living and breathing tonight is your opportunity if you need to get right to get right. God had given him all the opportunity he needed. He just wouldn't take the opportunity to get right. He, he continued to go his own way. And he spent his energy, effort, and resources to go against what God was doing rather than to go for what the Lord was doing. And so moving on, Saul cries out and said, is that your voice, my son David? And David said, it is my voice, uh, my Lord, O King, verse 18. And he said, why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done or what evil is in my hand? David still cared about the relationship. He's like, what have I done? Why, why are you still coming after me, man? Like, what have I done to you? What evil is in my hand? Verse 19. Now, therefore, please let my Lord, the king, hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. And so David's throwing Saul some options. Look, if, if the reason you're coming out after me is because I messed up and I sinned against God somehow and God is. Let, let me offer a sacrifice. I know how to get right with God if I'm not right. So David is saying, I'll, I'll, if it's my fault, I'll offer a sacrifice. But David knows it's not him. This is what he says next. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord, for they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. So David says, look, if it's if it's the Lord, let's offer sacrifice and get it right. But if the reason you're stirred up against me is because somebody's in your ear is because what you're hearing from other men. First of all, about the men that you're hearing from, may they be cursed. And because this is what they're doing, they're driving me out. Remember back then, in order to worship God, you need to be where the temple was. David says, y'all are driving me out. I can't, I want to go be in Israel. I want to be in Jerusalem. I want to worship with everybody. I can't worship because I'm running around in caves. You guys have driven me out from where I could worship right because of you. And so whoever is responsible for that, curse be upon them. Curse it. May they be cursed before the Lord. Here's what we can take from this right here. And again, I believe that David is, I believe that David thinks it's Abner. Uh, I believe that's why David blasted out Abner earlier and, and tried to get him in trouble. You know, just put him on blast. Those are just my thoughts. I wouldn't say that's Bible. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue it. Uh, it's a thought. Either way, David is saying whoever is responsible, if, if the sons of men, if people are in your ear against me. And I want you to think about this. Why would people be in David's, in Saul's ear against David? Some of them might be there just to have favor with Saul, just to kind of hang out. He's the king. I'm going to say what he wants to hear. The Ziphites, why would they keep coming and tattling to Saul just for favor uh, with King Saul? You know, not really anything legitimate against David. And so something we want to be careful about. I think it's important um, as as people that there are people that were inciting Saul against David. Though Saul is guilty, so are they. And so we want to be careful with our words, careful what we say about other people, careful how that what we say can influence how people feel about someone else or think towards another person. So I got to be careful with my influence. You guys got to be careful with your influence and how you use it, what we do share, what we don't share. Um, because in this case, uh, whatever they've said against David, David says, man, may, may they be cursed of the Lord. May God deal with them for that, uh, because it's keeping me from being able to worship the way I'm supposed to be. Uh, that's the net result. You got this man pursuing me for death and I can't worship the way I want, the way I'm supposed to. Um, and so now verse 20. So now do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord 
For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. And so David is just, you know, he's making himself small. He's like, man, you just come out to seek, man, just I'm a flea. I'm, you got 3,000 men running around looking for me. He says his prayer was that his blood would not fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. I think David understands that there's, he has more to live for. There's more that God wants to do with his life. Verse 21, we have from Saul another one of his, you know, there are times where Saul was moved emotionally to verbalize repentance, but we never see it followed up with action. And so here again in verse 21, then Saul said, like he said in verse chapter 24, if you remember, he said, I have sinned, return my son, for I will harm you no more because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. Now, I just want to remind you in chapter 24, verse 16, it says, uh, so it was when David had finished speaking his words and Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept and said to David, you are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown me kindness of you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me and how the Lord delivered me into your hand and you did not kill me. He's he's acknowledging and repenting. But, you know, just a chapter later, he's after David again. And so. Um, here he says the right stuff. I'm sinned. Please return my son, David. I'm not going to harm you anymore. My life was precious in your eyes. You know, I played the fool and erred exceedingly. And I want you to know these are Saul's last epitaph. These are his words out of his mouth about his life right before it ends in a couple chapters. He says, I have played the fool and I've erred exceedingly. And while we look at lives like Samuel, that man, that would be a great way to finish. Or like Paul, that would be a great way to wrap things up. This is the anti- This is the opposite. This is this is not how we want to. We, no one wants to be at the end of their life saying, "I played the fool. I erred exceedingly." And I can tell you guys from here that it only gets worse for Saul. And so I do want to make this distinction. The Bible in Second Corinthians, Paul talks about the difference between godly sorrow and true repentance. And so. Many times when, you know, people get caught or you do the wrong thing and you get the you get the wrong you know result or reaction from it, um, you might feel bad. And it's often been said that some people just feel bad that they got caught. It's not really sorry, sorrow over their sin, because the Bible says that true sorrow will lead to what? Repentance. So if I'm really sorrowful before the Lord, it'll lead to a change of behavior. If my behavior hasn't changed. But I just I'm still saying sorry for the same stuff over and over again. I got to check that out. That means I haven't really repented. And everybody here should check that out in your walk with the Lord. If you find that, man, I'm I'm having the same reoccurring stuff happen in my life and I eventually will get confronted with it. I know it's wrong. I say I'm sorry. And then boom, I do it again. And I realize I'm wrong. I say I'm sorry. And boom, I do it again. You need to run that tape back and say, God, show me what it means to repent, because this is what the repentance is. God, I've agreed with you. Confession. Say the same. Now I'm repenting. I've made a U-turn. I've turned away from that behavior. Um, now it'll still be a temptation, but but I, I'm, I'm, I'm making a new pattern. I'm walking in a new direction. And so if we have areas where they're reoccurring, that's something we got to deal with. You know, everybody here has had things where, man, I keep blowing it. And I got I to do something different. Um, repentance will be demonstrated by a change 
in my ongoing normal course of life behavior. If my ongoing course of life behavior doesn't change, I cannot say that I've repented. Many people, they confuse repentance with confession. Somebody will confess their sin and say, I repented. No, you confessed. That's, that's good too. You know, Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But repentance is more important. Repentance is important as well. I got I to gotta confess and turn from it. If I don't turn from it, but I just confess, it is not okay to get into a rhythm of life where you just, I just keep confessing the same sin over and over and over and over again. Uh, at some point, God is saying, well, you got to repent. I, I need some action behind those words or those words don't mean what you say they mean. So Saul, again, his, his emotional pleas, I'm sorry, oh, my son, David, oh, whatever. He doesn't mean it. It doesn't stick. It doesn't last. And it hasn't given David any freedom from Saul yet. So for all the time Saul has acknowledged he was wrong, David is still being pursued by him and having to run and, and hide in caves. And so Saul hasn't truly repented of these things. But I do want you to note verse 21, where Saul acknowledges one of those moments where in his emotion, what he says about himself is true. I have, er I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. Um, this is not where we want to land in our lives. And so look at verse 22 now. It says, and David, um, and David answered and said, here is the king's spear. Let one of the young men come over and get it. And so I want you to know, David wasn't taking it back over there himself. He said, send, send one of your young guys. I'll give, give you stuff back. Um, and David was just making the point. Like I was right. I was right above your head. I could have did you with your own spear. And I didn't. So we know it's not me. David made a point to Saul and to all the men with Saul. If I wanted to, I could have. I didn't. It's not my desire. I will not. I'm not. I have no desire to hurt this man or to take his life. So if nothing else, Saul's men know David's not pursuing. You're not pursuing David because he wants to kill you because he's had you twice and just and didn't do it. So that's not what's going on. And I think for David, it's a matter of his own integrity. You are God's anointed. I'm not touching that. I'm leaving that with the Lord. And so David offers him his stuff back. Verse 23, may the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord has delivered you into my hand today, but I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And so again, David says, look, I acknowledge that God gave me access to you, but it wasn't for me to kill you. And so I would not do that. Verse 24 and indeed, as your life was valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord. Notice he's not asking for his life to be valued, valued in the eyes of Saul. David said, let my life be valued in the eyes of the Lord. Because that's who matters the most. Amen. Life and death is in his hands. If God is going to preserve your life, nobody can take it. Uh, that's, that's such a safe idea, a safe reality. If God's not done with your life, it can't be taken from you. And if it can be taken, God's done with it. But if you belong to the Lord and are walking with the Lord, there's a security that we walk in as believers. I'm, I don't have to protect my life. I got to be right with God. And as I'm right with God, my life is protected. I'm, I am, my life is in his hands. And if somebody comes to take my life and God's like, no, I got plans for Bill for five years, then God's got to make it not work. And if it's my time to go, then, you know, say, cry at my funeral and say some prayers, but I'm with the Lord, be with the Lord, you know. Um, and so 
To me, this is a comforting thought that it's not my job to preserve my life. It's my life belongs to the Lord. And so I just got to be with him. Um, and like we saw with David, just being with the Lord and having the Lord with you is everything. That's what was important. And so David said, let my eyes be so, let, so in the same way that I valued Saul's life. So let my life be valued in the eyes of the Lord and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, may you be blessed, my son, my son, David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to its place. And it seems like both times this encounter happened in chapter 24 and in chapter 26. There's a recognition from Saul. That I know you're going to be the king. But you know why he knows that? Because God told him directly. God said, look, I'm going to take the kingdom for you and to give it to somebody better than you. And then God let him know who that was. And so it's not like Saul is prophesying. He literally was told by God, I'm going to give it to him. And so you're fighting against this when you should have just, Saul should have said, hey, Dave, God told me you're the guy. Let me bring you into the palace, man. Let me set you up. Can I just be a friend? Bro, can I just, can I have a room in the back somewhere? He should have just accepted what God was doing and rolled with the program. But he's fought it every step of the way. Here's the last lesson. If you be found to fight against what God is doing, it will wear you out. It will exhaust you. It will run you dry. There will be no spiritual sustenance to help you in the fight because you're fighting against God and it will result in disaster for you. That is Saul's like everything that Saul, Saul is exerted energy and effort and time and doing something that God's like, I'm not I'm not for you to kill David. So all that effort is just a waste. You don't waste the resource of people. You don't waste time. You don't waste your life. And now you're going to die. And, and it's still not going to happen. Whereas in contrast, you got somebody like David with all that's against. David's had a lot against him since he's been a young guy. This is a lot to deal with. But with all that's against David, God is for David. And David is still moving forward. And David still has some men that are with him. And David still has the call of God upon his life. David can still pray and, and hear back. He's still got a relationship with the Lord. David still has the Holy Spirit upon his life, which Saul no longer has. I mean, David has everything. And it, even though it's challenging and difficult, he is successful. The reason David is successful is because God is with him. And every success he has, he goes to war and he wins because the Lord was with him. And he goes into an area with 3,000 enemies and he doesn't die because not because he's a bad, bad dude, because the Lord was with him. Oh, you ain't walking into 3000 guys and walking out because you ain't anybody that bad. You know, the Lord put a deep sleep on them and let him get out of there. I just want us to see the value of this one thing. If you can, if you want to simplify your life to this. Live to please the Lord. God, I want to please you. And if I live to please the Lord, I'll deal with the fact that in pleasing the Lord, I'm going to have friends and I'm going to have foes. I'm going to have people with me. I'm going to have people against me. But what I need is the Lord. I need to please the Lord. I need him to be with me. I need God to be with me in the battle, with me in the struggle. When I go to bed at night, I need to be right with the Lord. I need my heart to be right. Everybody know what it is to lay down and it's right with the Lord? It could be wrong everywhere else, but that's everything. Because if it's right with the Lord, I, I know I'm covered. I know I'm where I need to be. I know my life is in his hands. What you don't want is to lay down. And have stuff between you and God that you need to you need to sort straighten out. And so um, we want to keep short accounts. 
Uh, again, I remind us that Corinthians points back to the Old Testament and says these things were written for your learning. So, God, why does God put the stories here and, and give us all these details about David and Saul? God, I want you to learn. When we read these stories, we're learning about God. We're learning about how to how to relate to God. We're learning about what God blesses. We're learning about what God doesn't bless, what he likes, what he hates. We're learning at every juncture here. And so Saul presents for us an example of how to waste a life, how to waste an opportunity and, and just how not to live a life. And David is providing for us here, not not the whole way through, but here David is providing for us an example of what it is to make the most of your life, what it is to to thrive in the midst of difficulty, because your, your desire is to please the Lord and the Lord is with you. And so you might be going through some difficulty. Um, you may be here now and, and may have battles of your own things that you're going through. And in those battles, what you want to be able to say is, I, I, got, I do have battles going on over here, there and other. But the Lord is I'm with the Lord. and The Lord is with me. You want to make sure that's the part that you can be responsible for. I'll close with this point because I think it's very cool and I think it's encouraging. It encourages me. Everybody in this room has the same opportunity to be with the Lord. Right. The Bible says that God has no favorites. Amen. So God doesn't look into a room and say, I like her. I like her. I like them back there. I don't like these guys over here so much. They kind of they look different. I like these over here. I don't. God's like, look, everybody that you want me, I want you. I wanted you first. You draw near to me. I'm drawing near to you. How close do you want to be? We're as close to the Lord today as we've all chosen to be. If I draw near, God receives me. If, I, if I'm dirty tonight, I can go get cleaned. I don't, if I stay dirty, that's on me. If I'm dirty, God says, come be clean. Come confess. I'll cleanse you, forgive you. We'll start brand new. And so I'm as close to the Lord as I want to be. I'm as intimate with the Lord as I want to be. I'm as right with God as I'm choosing to be. So my exhortation to all of us is let's choose to be close and right with the Lord. It's our choice. He won't run from you. He won't reject you. He won't turn you away. You come, he'll take. You ask, he'll forgive. You say, God, fill me, he'll fill you. But if like Saul, you just keep going that way, the Bible says that God will let you go. Right? God will say, all right, I, I, I can't make you come, but I'll take you if you do. So my exhortation is let's just be near to the Lord and let's bear the fruit that nearness to God will bring about. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for these lessons. Uh, God, thank you for your word and um, just how you can speak to us, can teach us, can reveal your heart through it. And so, God, I pray you'd help each one of us. However you've spoken to us, God, whatever you've revealed to us, whatever you pointed out, uh, God, may we take from it. God, I, I pray for those that are here like David. God, and they've got, they got challenges against them and the enemy is opposing them. God, I pray their hearts are encouraged tonight that as long as you're with them, God, they, they're going to be victorious. God, I pray for those that are here like Abishai that just ready for an adventure, a faith journey, just ready to step out and do something amazing in your name. God, I pray you'd stir up faith that we would we would take great ventures of faith for you, that we might see you do miraculous things. Abishai was a guy that went and he saw you do a miraculous thing as they went into 3000 men and walked out unscathed. I pray for those whose hearts are excited for for that sort of work. God, that you would you would stir up faith. And, and that's the sense of spirit of adventure in the hearts of your people, your children. Uh, Father, I pray for those that are battling with the flesh like a King Saul. God, I pray tonight there can be brokenness and humility and repentance and forgiveness and restoration. 
and new strength as we turn to you. So God, have your way in our lives. Be everything to each one of us, Lord. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just heard a transforming word brought to you by Pastor Bill Buffington. 1 Samuel is where we've been reading, and there's so much to take away from this book. Did you realize that many of the Psalms were written during the time that these events were happening? For much of this book, David was running from Saul. Wouldn't it be strange to be an arch enemy of your best friend's dad? Even though you didn't do anything deserving of death, you feel like a fugitive. And somehow, you found yourself in this situation where you're running for your life. This was much of David's existence in the book of 1 Samuel. He was doing great things, but King Saul was jealous of him and felt threatened by him. So he wanted to remove David completely from the upcoming kingship of Israel. Do you feel like you're on the run, undeserving of the circumstances you're in? Or are you on the other side, feeling jealous and insecure about another person, looking for their downfall? In either case, these two men needed God's help. One chose to rely on God, and the other turned away. Which direction will you choose? If you like the message you just heard, we're so glad. You'll find more solid teachings like this one from Pastor Bill Buffington at calvaryinglewood.org. Will you prayerfully consider spreading the good news with us? If this interests you, you can find the Give tab on our website. Don't forget, that's calvaryinglewood.org. This ministry is an outpouring of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for listening today to A Transforming Word.